Good morning, Sunnyray Church. I'm Meredith, and I'm so happy to be welcoming you and gathering online together today. Hello to everyone on our Sunday morning online platform, including those in watch parties, and hello to those watching or listening later on. A special welcome to those of you that are joining us for the very first time, welcome. We hope that even online you feel at home here. You're about to hear some information that we talk through each week so that you, our guests, and everyone else, know a little bit about what to expect as we gather and how to engage if you're on the online platform. First, if you or someone you know needs assistance or prayer, we would love to help any way that we can. Also, if you have ideas on ways to continue serving each other in this unique season, please email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. Second, we encourage you to check out the resources that we have to go along with the message you're about to hear. Uh, no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey or what age you are, there is something to keep you moving forward and going deeper. A few things that I'll point out are the Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals, which you can sign up for on the Next Steps page of our website. There are wallpapers to remind you of the weekly application question and a message just for our kids. Our Center My Kids get to learn from the same scriptures that you're about to hear, but with kid-friendly content. If you have kids in your home, discussing that application question as a family is a great way to grow and be on mission together. All the resources that I just mentioned and more, including our eight-week one-on-one discipleship opportunity, uh, is available on our website. Uh, one quick note about our kids, though. Our virtual VBS just wrapped this past week, um, but you parents out there, those videos are still on the homepage of our website. They've just moved down a the page a little bit because many of you um, have requested specifically that theme song that we all love so much, and so those videos will be there for a little bit while longer. If you would like to share your information with us, give, take next steps, uh, find previous messages, share this message, or even request prayer, you can do so on the online platform or on the website if you're watching or listening to this later. Before I wrap up here, uh, let me remind you to share your information with us, whether for the first time or to bring us up to date if you've moved or changed anything. Uh, there is a mailing coming your way this week that's in preparation for uh, the upcoming series that starts next Sunday. Also, check your emails. Please check your emails. Uh, they'll be coming from connect at centerwaychurch.com if you want to add that to your contacts to be sure you don't miss anything. Uh, if you're not yet on our mailing list, uh, go to the next step next steps page of the website and click share my info. Uh, we know that you're inundated with emails, especially if you have kids going back to school, uh, but that's the primary way that we're gonna be communicating with you. So for example, we just had a few in-person events, including an outdoor worship night, and it was so, so good. And we just don't want you to miss those things. And here's something else that we definitely do not want you to miss. We have sent emails about it, so hopefully this isn't the first time you're hearing about it, unless you're a guest. But next Sunday, the 13th, is Centerway's two-year anniversary celebration. We are so excited. We cannot believe it's been almost two years as a church family, um, but we will be gathering online as typical at 10 a.m. and then for worship right after on Instagram and Facebook. And then you'll have plenty of time in between to head over to Victor Municipal Park at noon. Uh, you're gonna get a free lunch that will be provided by some of our food truck friends that we had actually at our last year at our one year celebration. Uh, they'll be serving food there for a couple of hours and then you're welcome to stay all afternoon to enjoy the benefits of the park itself and of course, uh, being with each other. We know there are actually uh, quite a few new faces that have connected with Center while, while online in this season and we would love to meet you. Hope you can make it out. Uh, please be sure though to check out the calendar page of our website for all the details and specifically what it looks like to kind of gather in this season. 
Now, here's what to expect today. Kim will be reading the scripture text for us, Eric will be communicating from the Bible, and then you'll hear some ways to respond in worship. Immediately after the message, you can join us live on Instagram or Facebook as a way to respond through song. Here's Kim with the text for today. Hi, I'm Kim, and I'll be reading the scripture today. Today's scripture is 3 John, verses 9 through 15. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. Good morning, and happy Labor Day weekend. I'm so glad to be with you today. Uh, not only are we in September already, uh, but we're also finishing up a journey that we started a few months ago, going through the epistles of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. I'm excited to be with you today. And um, we are in a series, finalizing the series, called Truth Be Told. And this week's message is called Intentions Aren't Enough. So truth be told, intentions aren't enough. I'm glad that uh, I get to be on this side of the camera because I feel like this is a safe space where we can kind of be truthful with each other. Uh, and if that's the case, then I would love to use this time to kind of get some things off of my chest and maybe work through some stuff in my life because this text presents a 21st century problem that I see in my life and maybe you see it in your life too. But uh, before I confess my own issues today uh, and risk you judging me, I want to illustrate the problems that I see with a, a couple stories, if I can, from my life. Uh, my family and I moved to uh, Victor in January, at the very end of January. And so that means I had about six weeks or so to commute to work uh, before everything got shut down. And the one thing I noticed right away uh, is that I drive ridiculously slow compared to everybody else here in this entire county. Uh, there would be nobody behind me on my way to work, and then two seconds later, I look in my rear view, and someone is riding my tail furiously trying to pass me, you know, on some kind of 30-mile-an-hour road. Now, my mom is notorious for being a slow driver, uh, but I am not like her, I promise. I go the speed limit. Sometimes I go over the speed limit. Uh, and even so, no matter how quickly I drive, there's always somebody behind me furiously trying to pass me. Uh, so quarantine hit, I got to not drive for a few weeks. Uh, and then as things started to open up again, 
um, I realized that people don't drive as fast when they're trying to get to any other place but work. So I would drive at 2.30 in the afternoon or six at night, and all of a sudden, I'm the one behind the slow driver. It wasn't just me being the slowest person on the road. Uh, there are other people like me out there. A funny thing happened though, uh, when I was the slowest person on the road, the people behind me, they didn't know how to drive. Those people were maniacs, right? But when I was the one behind the people, those people in front of me didn't know how to drive either. They were idiots. <laughs> I was the standard which every other driver needs to base their driving abilities off of. So I was driving among two groups of people, maniacs and idiots. You ever have that experience of those of you that drive out there? I know that you have. Uh, this text today brings out the idea of us being the standard of our own lives. And so I wanna begin our time together by posing this question. Why is it easier to recognize faults in other people than in ourselves? Why is it easier to recognize fault in other people than in ourselves? In other words, why is it so easy to label maniacs and idiots <laughs> so quickly? Uh, and I think the reason is because it is so easy for us to judge other people based on their actions, while we tend to judge ourselves by our intentions. Let me explain. I would think things like this. Man, that car behind me, those crazy people, they can't wait and get to their destination 45 seconds later uh, than they're going to? Come on, give me some space here. But when I was the one tailgating, I would think, you know what, I normally don't drive like this, but my son needs to get to a baseball game, so you can forgive me. That's intention. Action versus intention. And truth be told, it takes both. It takes both action and intention to have a proper relationship with the truth. Uh, two weeks ago, the New York Times had a fascinating story, uh, in my opinion, where uh, they talked about this experiment that happened. They took uh, a set of, of people, individual men and individual women, and put them in a room without any windows, um, without access to their phone or anything like that. Uh, the only thing in this room besides that person was a chair. And so for 15 minutes, they were just asked to sit in this chair, and in 15 minutes, someone would come and get them. Oh yeah, there was one more thing in the room. Uh, they were hooked up to uh, electro uh, shock uh, little discs there, and they were given a buzzer. And they said, hey, if you want to, you can give yourself an electric shock anytime you want. Now, why would somebody do that? Well, the experiment was to see how long it would take someone, if at all, uh, to be so bored that they would give themselves a shock. Now, it turns out that 25% of women couldn't wait the 15 minutes before they had to give themselves a shock just to break up the boredom. And men, yeah, it was like 63%, I think is what the number was. 63% of men said, you know what? I am feeling so much pain from being bored that I would rather push a button and give myself a shock than feel this boredom for any longer. <laughs> I was judging these people mercilessly. It was unbelievable. Then something happened where I went hiking and I thought I put my phone in a waterproof pocket. Turned out not to be waterproof. So I needed to be without my phone for three days uh, as my phone sat in some rice waiting to kind of be dried out. And in those three days, you probably could guess what happened. 
I would sit down and say, ah, peace and quiet. And I would automatically reach for my phantom phone and uh, try to do something on it. And when it wasn't there, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I wish I had my phone. I am so bored. It's unbelievable. So I judge other people because of the crazy things they would do to shock themselves. And then in my own personal life, I realized hey, if I had a buzzer right now, I maybe would try it. Jeepers. It's interesting how often we do things like that. And as John concludes his letter uh, to Gaius, an elder in the church, he compares two people uh, who are on either side of truth. This is Diotrephus and Demetrius. And he's going to expose Diotrephus as someone who thinks that his intentions are good, but his actions don't follow. Let's look at verses 9 and 10 again together if we can. They say this, I have written something to the church, but Diotrephus, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Okay, so the big question is, who is this Diotrephus guy? Well, we don't know too much about him, but experts do agree that he was someone who wanted to be in charge. He wanted to be in charge or put himself in the place of leadership in the church. And we don't know if he attended the same church as this guy Gaius or if he was in charge of another local gathering nearby. But we do know that he prevented a letter that John wrote from getting to the church where Gaius was an elder. Now, verse 9 talks about this guy's intentions. John says that he likes to put himself first. So his intention was to hop into a place of leadership that was occupied by Gaius or by John or one of his teammates here. Now, that's a modern-day problem, isn't it? It's a modern-day problem. In his book, Leaders Eat Last, Simon Sinek has this to say about leadership. It's pretty interesting. He says, The true price of leadership is the willingness to place the needs of others above your own. Great leaders truly care about those they are privileged to lead and understand that the true cost of the leadership privilege comes at the expense of self-interest. I love that phrase, the privilege of leadership. Because it's not a position, it's a privilege to serve those around us. And it appears that Diotrephus wanted the position of leadership in the church, but he didn't want the privilege of leadership in the church which Cynic says is putting others and their needs ahead of your own. And you know what this reminds me of? Reminds me of parenting. Those of you who are parents out there, uh, you can maybe relate to this. If you're not a parent, uh, you probably had parents who kind of had to wrestle with this idea. Parenting is either you or them. If you want to be a good parent, you sometimes have to make the decision. Am I going to eat now or are my kids going to eat now? Am I going to sleep now or are my kids going to sleep now? Who's going to have the remote? Is it me or is it my kids? It's you or them. And a good parent must put their kids' needs before their own. Not all the time. We're not talking about spoiling our kids or anything, but we all know those moments where it's you or it's them. But getting back to the text before I go off on a tangent here, I don't want to point to Diotrephus and call him this bad guy uh, who doesn't know what he's doing in leadership without looking at myself, pointing to myself and recognizing the same tendency in myself. And having you recognize the same tendency 
in yourself. Because the fact of the matter is, is that we all have this desire to be first kind of hardwired into our system. It's a fallen condition that the Word of God says uh, is so important for us to understand and address. And the way that we combat it isn't just to point it out in someone else or even to read self-help books that will kind of get us over the hump of putting other people first, maybe, uh, but it's to fix our eyes on Jesus, who didn't put himself first by accomplishing his Father's will, uh, but actually put himself last. Because Jesus put himself in last place for us, we're free to no longer have to cling to our rights to be first or to get what's coming to us. And instead, we just get to live like Christ lived by esteeming others better than ourselves. Now, if we go back to Diotrephus in verse 10, uh, verse 10 moves from his intentions to his actions and has two things specifically to say about his actions. The first one's my favorite. It says, he talked wicked nonsense against us, which I think is a phrase we could use in modern culture today. And then the second thing it says is that he kicked out anyone in the church who didn't agree with him. Now, that's not what you want in a leader, right? <laughs> you don't want the guy, the man, the woman uh, who you are following to kind of be so uneasy about a challenge to their authority uh, that they just talk trash about anybody uh, or that they boot out someone that doesn't really agree with them or has a different opinion than them. Now, let's look at verse 10 again if we can because John says something really interesting and profound. He says, so if I come... I will bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us, and not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. So John doesn't get into Diotrephus' theology or anything like that, but he does say that instead of retaliating against this guy, uh, that he's going to confront him about those issues. Now, you see the difference between two kinds of leaders? Uh, the leader who wants the position compared to the leader who's comfortable with the privilege of serving. See, John isn't afraid of the uncomfortable conversation he's going to have to have with Diotrephus because he loves the people that he's serving and that he's leading in this church. He's okay with getting in uncomfortable conversations if it means that the people that he loves are going to grow as a result. Now, Diotrephus, it sounds like, would rather talk about those he disagreed with than talk to those he disagreed with. In 2020, we call that a leadership fail, right? <laughs> so even if this man thought his intentions were good, we see that his actions need to follow, and they just didn't. And all too often, if I look at myself, I'm content with just letting my intentions stop right there and justifying my actions or lack thereof as a result of having good intentions. In other words, I'm the only one that's allowed to go over the speed limit because my intentions, they're pure, right? <laughs> now here's how John wraps up his thoughts about Diotrephus and transitions into a better example of leadership. And it's our key verse, verse 11. It goes like this, Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. It's kind of like he's saying, don't settle for intention, take action. Don't let a God idea drop into your heart and then justify your lack of action by saying, you know what? 
It's the thought that counts. Yeah, I had this great idea and I worked through how it could happen, but I didn't do it. And that's okay because it's the thought that counts. Yeah, I wanted to serve the marginalized. I wanted to heal the hurting, but I'm just too busy. My intentions were pure though. <laughs> Don't settle for that. Do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Again, we don't call anyone good who has never done anything but wanted to. We call someone good who takes action on those things, like Jesus, our leader, did. If he would have said, it's a really good idea, God. Maybe I will do something about the condition of humanity eh, when I get around to it. <laughs> we wouldn't be the same. We wouldn't be living in the same world. John references an idea that he brought up all the way back in 1 John. If you do good, you know God. Well, if you don't do good or if you do evil, you don't know God. Yikes. <laughs> At face value, that's kind of scary because we can say something like this. I'm a really good person, but I'm not a perfect person. Is he expecting me to get it right all the time to always be doing good? And sure, I mess up every once in a while, but I'm always trying to be good. Is John telling me that I just don't know God? Well, Thankfully, John is not saying that. We covered that a few weeks ago as well. Uh, but specifically in this verse here, uh, the verb does good and the verb does evil in Greek are both in the present active tense, which all that really means is that it's a continuation of an action. So this verse could actually be translated something like this. Whoever keeps on doing good is from God. And whoever keeps on doing evil has not seen God. See, in that kind of translation, it speaks to both action and intention, right? Uh, I mess up for sure. I'm not a perfect person. But if I've had an authentic encounter with God, my heart's going to be changed. So much so that I will no longer be satisfied with following the evil desires of my heart. Now, have you had that kind of transformative experience with God. I hope that you have. But only Jesus can secure that kind of change in our hearts, right? By merging the intention of Jesus' heart, serving and loving humanity, with the action necessary to show off that intent, going to the cross, dying a brutal death, uh, rising to life again, coming out of that grave, Jesus now has the authority to define and to exemplify the truth that we so desperately need. I love how John says it in his gospel, the gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14, talks about Jesus and truth this way. It says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, that's the hope that we have, right? That Jesus came from the Father, not just full of truth alone, but full of grace and truth. If Jesus came just based on truth alone, well, then he could see the truth in my own heart that I'm sinful, I'm wicked, I'm evil, that I don't get it right all the time, and then judge me based on the sin of my life. But Jesus came full of grace as well as full of truth. So we're not off the hook because Jesus can sweep our sin under the rug. No, he had to do something about it. He was full of grace. But because he's also full of truth, he paid the penalty for the sin that you and I commit by living the perfect life on our behalf and then dying the death that you and I deserve. 
So Jesus embodies truth and he is full of grace. So now his perfection is conferred to us and we get the benefits of his sacrifice. So Diotrephus shows us how not to embody truth. And now John quickly gives us the other side of embodying truth in verse 12. And here's what he says. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony and you know that our testimony is true. So now here, John is bringing his recommendation uh, to Gaius for someone named Demetrius. Now, this guy is presented as the opposite of Diotrephus, but we also, uh, all we really, really know about him is that other people have good things to say about him. We don't know specifics. We don't know why they have good things to say about him. Uh, We don't know what he did or anything, but that he's just well-liked and he's spoken highly of by people. It's very vague, but I actually think that that's intentional because Demetrius cannot at that point be presented as a model uh, to follow. We can't just look at the text and say, okay, so you do the three things that Demetrius did and then you'll be living in the truth too. No, at this point, it becomes very personal. We have to rely on the whisper of the Holy Spirit to kind of speak to us where he's directing us. It's like John is telling us that if we want to be on the right side of the truth, we're going to have to lean into the voice of God to get the specifics of what that looks like in your life and my life. We can't just check off the three boxes found in this passage and then move on to something else. We have to be receptive in our own spirits to God's voice and how he wants us to act. Now, with that being said, uh, I believe that God is asking every single one of us to act as a result of what the text has revealed to us today. We say it this way at Center Way, that the text requires something of us. Now, the question that I have for you this week based on the text is this. What aspect of gospel truth will I act on this week? What aspect of gospel truth will I act on this week? And by truly asking that question of yourself and wrestling with that question, what you're doing is you're exploring whether there's an area of your life where your intention is good, but your action doesn't follow or it doesn't match. And because none of us are perfect, every single one of us have at least one aspect of our lives where we have great intentions, but our actions don't follow suit. What area of gospel truth will I act on this week? Now, maybe you're a leader. Maybe you have influence at work uh, or in an organization. And God may be asking you to kind of uh, assess your motives and then act differently toward those that you lead. Uh, Here at Centerway, we believe that every single person is a leader because every single person holds influence over somebody else. And so if you're watching this, if you're listening to this, you're a leader. How will you respond uh, in that leadership? In fact, I'll ask this question, how has your leadership been? Maybe the truth that God is asking you to act on is to uh, submit to the authority in your life. Instead of uh, talking wicked nonsense about your boss or the person who's in authority over you, uh, maybe you can pray for them and you can act in love and defend the truth. I don't know how God wants you to apply the text today, but I have a feeling that you do. And I guarantee that God knows 
I would love for you to kind of speak to him even in this moment right now and begin to ask him, God, where is it that you want the truth of this text to come alive in my life? And I know that when you ask that question, God's going to speak to you. Now, if you're watching on our live platform uh, this morning, I'd love for you to click the prayer uh, button and connect with a host that will pray with you specifically. Now, if you're watching us later on or listening later on, we'd love for you to check out our website, centerwaychurch.com, and maybe click around and click on the Next Steps page and, or email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. Kind of let us know the decision that you made today. Wherever you find yourself, I'd love to pray right now and believe God that he's going to walk you through that next step of truth, whatever that may look like. Can we bow our heads and hearts together? Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful today that your grace is enough and that your truth can be revealed in your word and through your spirit. I thank you, God, that you haven't forgotten about any one of us today, Lord God. That if we're feeling marginalized, Lord, if we're feeling lost in the shuffle, if we're feeling like we just haven't heard your voice, maybe even ever, that today is a day of new beginnings. I ask, Lord God, that we would be receptive to your still small voice. Father God, that we would hear you, that we would know you, that we would respond to your voice today. And Lord, help us not to be satisfied any longer with having good intentions internally without leading them to external action. And I pray, God, that you would guide us by your power and by the strength of your Holy Spirit so that those actions aren't just nice little footnotes in our lives, but that they would transform our families, that they would transform our communities, that they would transform our world as a result of your power, your grace, and your goodness. And we pray that today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, as you stick around for a couple more instructions, uh, we're excited to hear about what God is doing in your life. And we just cannot wait for next week to celebrate our two-year anniversary with you. Have a great week. Hi, Centerway. I'm Claude. Thanks for gathering with us this morning. Great message, Eric. We'd like to take this time after the message to remind you that there are many ways to respond to the scripture text and many ways to worship this week as you respond to the gospel. One of the ways we get to worship together is through song, and we're about to do that if you're with us live. If you're watching or listening to this message later, you can find the songs we're about to sing on Spotify. Simply go there, search Centerway Church, and look for the Truth Be Told playlist. For those gathered on the online platform, we'll see you live on Facebook or Instagram in just a few minutes. We can't wait.